listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to grab the Bible that's in the chair back in front of you. You can keep that forever. Put your name in it. That'd be awesome. 2 Timothy Chapter three, I might have said two a second ago, but chapter three of 2 Timothy. Now I'm excited. It's been a minute since we've been in 2 Timothy because we had our This Changes Everything series in April. Now we're back in 2 Timothy. And just to remind you, this is the last letter of Paul. So he, he knows he's fixing to die and to be martyred for his Christian faith and for spreading the gospel. And he's written this letter to encourage Timothy a younger man in the faith, and encourage him as he's helping equip and lead the church. But really, also, it's, it's for every single believer. In this letter, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, is equipping us to run this race well, to live for Jesus as he intended us to. He serves really as a guide. And that's what I love about all of Scripture is that it's like God is coming alongside us and saying, hey, let me help you. Let me show you the way that you should go. I mentioned to you guys before, uh, Last year, year ago, Lauren and I, my wife, got to go uh, to Costa Rica for a couple of days for a little part of sabbatical. It was awesome. And uh, I mentioned a couple of different things have happened on that trip, but I haven't mentioned this yet. And one day we did a hike. And uh, as we're walking along in the rainforest, our guide stops and, sa- and just points our attention to our left in this, this general direction. And he says, hey, I want you to stop. There's something over here, something in your surroundings that is very dangerous, and I want you to see if, if you can pick up what it is. And so we stop, and we're, we're looking. And probably, where's Lauren? Lauren, you in here? Make it to the service? Somewhere in here. There she is. What, probably a solid minute or two, right, that we look in this general direction, and I'm like beginning to feel silly because whatever it is he says that is there and that is dangerous, we're not seeing. So I'm also like, should we, should we be moving backwards? Like, what should we be doing? Well, let me, uh, to make you feel safe, if you ever go on a hike with me, let me show you the picture and see if you can figure out what we were supposed to be looking at. (laughs) Do you see it? Yeah, you see it, right? That is an eyelash viper. And uh, to be fair, to to give myself a little credit, this is very zoomed in, okay? So as we're looking at, I'm not like, I'm not this bad, okay? But as we're looking in the general direction, like the reality is it was pretty obvious. Like it's a bright yellow snake. We have snakes in Texas, but I don't, you don't see these all the time, right? If you do, you should run, just so you know. But it's a bright yellow snake on a green leaf. Like how did we miss it? But I don't know, but we missed it. We had to have our guide tell us, hey, there's, there it is. Point it out to us, there's the snake. Stay away from it. One of the things I love about Scripture is that's, that's one of the functions of Scripture. A lot of it is encouraging and gives us gospel truths and, and tells us how we should live. We've been seeing that as we've been in our This Changes Everything series. But also, Scripture serves as our guide to stop us and say, hey, you need to be aware of your surroundings. Like, not so you walk with your head down and depressed, but so you can have a heads up. Like, this is what is around you you need to take notice. What is it about the times that we live in 
that we need to know. What do we need to know about this season of life that we're in? We could say a lot. Scripture says a lot, but we're going to see three things this morning that we need to have a heads up on. As scripture serves as our guide to give us a warning. Chapter three, verse one. But know this. Hard times will come in the last days. Really simple. First point is this. These are hard times. These are hard times. As we're living as Christians in 2023, we should not be surprised when we encounter difficulty or hardship in following Jesus. He explicitly says, these are hard times. And now you may say, like, okay, so he says in the last days, what is that about? It's appropriate when we think of last days to think of those, those final moments, excuse me, final moments before Jesus returns. But biblically, we are in the last days. So if you think back uh, in this context, look backwards in your Bible to Acts chapter two. As Peter's preaching at Pentecost, he quotes the prophet Joel. And Joel says of the times of Pentecost, Joel says that those are the last days, that when the spirit is poured out on God's people, those are the last days. So we're, we're in the last days. You think about Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. The writer of Hebrews says that in, in previous times, God spoke to us through his prophets and in various ways. But he says, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. So we are in the last days. This is the season, the season that Paul is talking about when he says, hard times, hard seasons will come. That word where it says hard times, difficult times, in classical Greek, it typically was a word picture for two things and used in two different situations. One was to speak of a dangerous, attacking animal, a predator, so a dangerous animal. Another situation that hard, difficult word was used for in classical Greek was for being out on a boat in a storm in the raging sea. So two pictures both painful and perilous, right? An attacking animal or being out at sea and being tossed around. He says, sometimes in the Christian life, you're gonna feel like people are coming at you. Things are coming at you. Culture is coming at you. And not just that, you're gonna feel like you find yourself in a storm a lot of times. These are hard times. It's what we're living in. So he says, don't be surprised. You know, I think a lot of us, we like to think of the Christian life, like once we've trusted Jesus, we like to think of it as like we get in this sailboat and we set out to sea and we've got the sun on our skin and the wind at our back and we're just cruising off into the sunset. Paul's saying, not hardly. It's more like as you're out in your sailboat, you're surrounded by sharks and then you're in the middle of a hurricane. <laughs> you're gonna have seasons like that. These are hard times. So, so don't be surprised. Don't be shocked by it. No, lean in, hold on tight. These are difficult days. Now, we would, like the automatic human response would be, might be, well, what is it about these days that, that are so difficult? Like, is it that Amazon Prime is way slower than it used to be after, the, after COVID? Or is it, what is it? Is it, on a more serious note, is it, persecution? Like, what is it that makes it hard times? So let's, let's keep reading. Verse two, he says, for people, so he's explaining these hard times, 
for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning. By the way, it's fun that demeaning follows proud and boastful because if you're prideful and think you're all that, automatically you have to think lowly of other people, right? To build yourself up and think you're awesome, you've got to put other people down. So he says they're, they're boastful, they're proud, they're demeaning, they're disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. So there's no reconciliation in relationships. They're just, you know what, I'm not even gonna talk about it. They're dead to me. We might say in today's terms, cancel culture. Slanderers without self-control. Brutal. Without love for what is good. Traitors. Reckless. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They hold to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. Does that sound like our culture? Yeah. I also think it's a little bit like just my weird personality. I think it's a little funny. Again, like hard times, we're thinking persecution or again, like the economy is in a wreck. And he's like, no, y'all, people are disobeying their parents. Like these are hard times. People are selfish and, and they, they love themselves and, and they love money more than they love God and the things of God. There, there's a, a lot, a big list, but really the, the point he concludes and wants us to walk away, what do we need to know? It's at the end of verse five where he says, avoid these people. Here's our, our second truth we've got to know in these hard times is this. You should avoid habitual hypocrites. You should avoid habitual hypocrites. So a hypocrite is a person who, they wear the mask, right? So they say they're one thing, but they're actually something different. They proclaim to know or be or do something, but in reality, that's, that's not who they are. And habitual, consistent over and over and over again. Avoid these people. The problem is clear in verse five. If you had to sum up all of those verses, verse five, they hold to the form of godliness, but deny its power. So they're, they're, they're clinging to the claims of Christianity. They're holding on to it. But in reality, there's no inner transformation. They're denying that the gospel and God working in you has the power to transform you. So they're saying, yeah, yeah I know God, I'm spiritual, but they're still living out all these different sins. So just for clarity, it'd be easy to read this about, yeah, those sick people out there. And he's talking about people that claim to know Christ. Maybe they come to church. Maybe they sing the songs. Maybe they're in a Bible study. Maybe they send you their favorite verse of the day, whatever it may be, but they actually don't know Jesus and they're habitual hypocrites. Y'all, I'll be honest, I, biblically speaking and just like experientially speaking, it's more dangerous to be around a religious person who doesn't know Jesus than someone who just flat out says they don't know Jesus. Like this person is more dangerous. That's why Paul says, avoid them. They've got the outward appearance, but they're empty on the inside. You know, all of us 
do some of these sometimes, right? But he's saying some people do some of these all of the time. And it's those people that you've got to be careful of. It's those people that you, you, you've got to, 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 to push back, push away from. He's clearly not saying you can never be around sinners. Jesus was the friend of sinners. Yeah, that, so to, and Paul says, and I think it's first, second Corinthians, like to, to never engage and interact with sinful people, you would have to leave this world. You have to be in heaven. Like it's, it's not gonna happen on earth. You're always gonna be around sinful people. But he's saying people who are religious and claim to know Christ, but clearly don't, you stay away from them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, what? The new has come. It's transformation. In Matthew 15.18, Jesus, he's talking to the Pharisees. And he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He doesn't want lip service. He just doesn't want religious ritual. Jesus wants to know you. And when you know Jesus, he transforms you. So if you have people that you're in life with and they're saying they know Jesus, but they're denying the power of the gospel to change them over and over and over and over again, you eventually, you, you, you step back from them. Jesus, one time when he was talking about the Pharisees and their lifestyles in uh, Matthew 23, 25, he says that, he really asked them a question, said, why do you wash the outside of the cup when the inside of the cup is full of greed and bitterness and jealousy? Again, this hypocritical, right? So they're worried about the outside appearances, but on the inside is full of filth. That's, that's the picture here. Stay away from those people. Why? Because you don't know what is lurking beneath. They're, they're trying to trick you. It's deceptive. So what do we need to know so far? These are hard times. We need to avoid habitual hypocrites. And here's the third one. There are evil people who will use religion to use you. To say it maybe a little differently, there are evil people who will use religion to abuse you. So they'll, they'll have the lingo, they'll, they'll, they'll know some scripture, but they're actually trying to use and abuse you. Look at what he says in verse six. For among them, so among this group of people who are holding the form of godliness, but they're denying its power, for among them are those who worm their way into households. So the idea is here is to creep or to sneak into households, into communities, into families. You know, I think the predominant way that, that, these kinds of people, evil people who want to use and abuse you using religion, I think the primary way they sneak into households today is through podcasts and through social media. I, 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 hear me, podcasts and social media aren't evil in and of themselves. Social media, maybe sometimes, but I think that's the easiest way that these people can creep into your life right now and you don't even know it. So they worm their way into households and deceive Deceive, let's talk about that word. This is a military word to take, to capture. This is the idea is a prisoner of war. So these people are on a mission. It's not like they're accidentally deceiving people. Oh man, I didn't mean to use and abuse you. No, they're intentionally sneaking into people's lives 
and deceiving them, taking them prisoner for their own, if you go back to verses one through five, their own personal gain for their own love of self, own love of pleasure. He says, they worm their way into households and deceive gullible women overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions. So let's time out there for a second. Ladies, before you say, excuse me, Paul, <laughs> and men, before you go, like show your ignorance and say, yeah, those gullible women, like let's look carefully. Let's look carefully. First of all, so, some translations say weak. The idea is vulnerable. And I'm gonna show you from the text itself what, why we can say the idea is vulnerable. Yeah, gullible means easily perceived, excuse me, easily persuaded. And, and weak in the idea, they're, they're vulnerable, not weak like they need to work out more. No, they're just vulnerable. Let's notice, he doesn't say all women are gullible, not at all. He says there's a particular group of women that these, in this case, men, I think, this, I think men and women try to deceive people and use religion to do it. But in this case, men are actively targeting vulnerable, gullible women for their own personal gain. Y'all still with me? So he doesn't say all women are gullible. He says this particular group of women is gullible. And what is it that makes them gullible? What is it that makes them vulnerable? He tells us they're overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions. So he's gonna tell us another thing in a second. But so they're, they're overwhelmed by their own sin and shame and guilt and, and even sinful passions that they're just looking for anyone to help them and offer a solution. And so these evil men, knowing these women are vulnerable, are specifically targeting them. That is disgusting. This is what you could call spiritual trafficking. Men looking for women to, to say some spiritual things, to offer some spiritual, quote, wisdom, but only just to get a following for their own gain, their own selfish pleasure. Not only are they overwhelmed by sins, he says in verse seven, they're always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So here's, in this case, with these women, again, this would be true for men and women. We all are subject and prone to this. He says with this particular group of women that are being targeted, they're, they're always learning and building up information. So to think back to last week, if you were here, they're gathering bricks, gathering bricks of information, but they're never building a solid foundation. They're never driving a stake in the ground and saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. I've received the gospel and he is leading me and transforming me. He's so many of us, we love to learn, but subject ourselves, but to subject ourselves to absolute truth requires commitment. It's not always fun to say, you know what? I'm not gonna just keep learning new ideas. I'm gonna decide this is what I believe. Jesus, I submit to your authority. I submit to the word of God. In this case, this particular group of women ha has not done that. They love learning, but they've never staked themselves. They've never tied on, latched on to the hope, the truth, the promise, the reality of Jesus Christ. So these men are coming in and and tricking them, and deceiving them, and taking them captive. He says in verse eight, just as, now I wanna say Jonas and Jambres, but in the Greek, it's like Ianis and Iambres, and I tried saying it with a little more excitement earlier this week, and some coworkers said I, look, I sound like a, like a cartel person, and so we're just gonna say it regular, okay? So Jonas and Jambres, 
resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. There are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Jonas and Jambres. Who are these two guys? Well, the, the Bible doesn't use these names any other place, but we know from uh, Greek sources, from Hebrew sources, and even Aramaic sources that history would tell us that these two guys were the magicians that Pharaoh had at the time that Moses went, that God had called Moses to go and say, let my people go, uh, right? These were the two magicians. And, and Paul's saying, just as they opposed the things of God, just as they tried to say, well, actually, like, yeah, God says this, but we have another way to go about it. Our truth is just as good as, as Moses' God's truth. He's saying, just as that happened, they opposed the truth. These evil people who are trying to deceive others and pull them away from the Lord to, to deceive them and pull them away from their walk with Christ and deceive them and, and prevent them from believing in the gospel, they're just like Jonathan John Brace. They're opposing God's truth. And he does say in verse nine, look, like they're not gonna fool everybody. They're gonna be found out, but this is still dangerous. They're evil people who wanna use religion to use you. We, we have a lot of tumbleweeds around here and they're a great picture, a great reminder that if you grow but never, or if you, if you grow in, in looks on the outside but you never dig roots deep into who Jesus is, you're more susceptible to being blown around by different teachings and doctrines that are contrary to scripture. If you don't dig yourself into who Christ is, you root yourself in the word of God, walk in the spirit, you're gonna be tossed around. You're susceptible to, be, to being led astray by false teachers. So, so dig in. All right, so three things for this season we gotta know. Again, there's way more, but three things Paul gives us here. These are hard times. You should avoid habitual hypocrites. And there are evil people who wanna use religion to use you. You know, it'd be easy to, to stop here and go, all right, all right, we need to know that. Cool, 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 I hear you, Paul. Like, I know it, now, now I'm good. But remember, the Bible is not just about information, it's about transformation. So I wanna give you a few questions before we finish as we think about this. I don't have these on the screen, I apologize. You'll be okay. <laughs> First question. Would you be less frustrated with life if you quit looking through a filter? You know what a filter is on social media, right? You put the filter on and it, it changes the look so you look maybe better than you actually do <laughs> or you look more tan than you actually are. All of us like to look through a filter at life of like, man, everything's great and everything's perfect and and. Scripture's calling us to remember, hey, life is great and every good gift we have is from God. But the reality is, these are hard times. Like, would you be less frustrated and disappointed and upset all the time if you just embraced, hey, you know what? Following Jesus is difficult. Instead of getting irate when your coworkers mock you for your faith, you just, what if you were like, you know what? I'm gonna look through a biblical lens. I should expect to be made fun of. 
Instead of being irate when people are slanderers and lovers of pleasure and they're ungrateful, what if you just recognize, hey, this is the culture we live in. And I'm gonna try to combat it. I'm gonna try to spread light, but I'm not gonna get frustrated because I have a biblical lens, a biblical framework, a biblical filter, and I know these are hard days. Another question for you. While Paul's telling us avoid habitual hypocrites, I wanna ask you, again, the problem with habitual hypocrites is they claim to know God, they claim to know the power of the gospel, but they deny it, then they're never transformed. Are there any areas of your life where you are denying the power of the gospel? Like, as I look back at this list, like, we'll just pick an easy one is ungrateful. Do you walk around bitter and frustrated and jealous? And you just, well, I'm just, I just, I just not wired to be grateful. It's just hard for me. Are you walking in that ungrateful spirit and in so doing, denying the fact that the Holy Spirit in you is the power to transform you into a grateful person? Not a perfect person, but a grateful person. Or he says, unholy in verse two. Are you living in habitual sins? Even as a Christian, are you going back to habitual sins saying, well, I'll just, I'll never overcome this sin? And in doing that, are you, by your actions, denying the power of God to transform your life? If so, man, take that in repentance before the Lord. God, I, I am a new person in you and I want to be transformed into who you want me to be. Third question should be pretty obvious from the text. Who do you need to avoid? And by the way, this is not like you're, every, every second of the day, you're like, I'm gonna stay away from that fool. Like, but no, is, there, is there a podcast you need to quit listening to? Is there someone on social media you need to quit following? Is there a, a friend that you need to maybe step back from because they're a habitual hypocrite? Again, all of us do some of these sometimes, but some people do some of these all of the time. I mean, some people do all of these all the time. Paul says, hey, if you know those people, you need to step back. You need to avoid them. You don't need to go slander them. No, because then you're acting like them. But you need to avoid them. Who do you need to avoid? A fourth question. Are you rooted? Are you rooted in the things of God? Because people will... It's a fact. They will come and try to deceive you, try to lead you away from Jesus. And if you're not deeply rooted in Christ, you're more susceptible. And actually, I think according to what Paul's saying here, you become a target because the enemy is looking for vulnerable, vulnerable people who have not staked, put a stake in the ground and said, yes, I'm gonna love Jesus. I'm gonna pursue Jesus. I'm gonna grow in Jesus. If, you, if you've not done that, you, you got a target on your back. Are you rooted? Are you growing in Christ and, and clinging to his truth? Then a fifth question I wanna ask is who do you know that needs help? I mean, it, it, who do you know that needs help? It makes me sad to think about this passage in that there's a group of women apparently in the church, like who were a part of Christian community, but who were overwhelmed by 
sins and led astray by a variety of passions. They're always learning, but never able to arrive, come to a knowledge of the truth. The body of believers should have been ministering, in this case, to these women. They would have been less vulnerable had other people in the church been, been say, hey, let's, let's, let's talk about how we walk out of that sin. Let's talk about making sure that you've actually trusted Jesus for salvation. That should have come first. Let's talk about how you grow in Christ. Let's talk about how you overcome those passions. Let's talk about how you, you begin to roll off sin and shame and walk in the grace of Jesus. Had the Christian community been coming around and helping them, it would have been less vulnerable, less, less susceptible to these attacks. Who do you need to help? Who do you need to encourage in their faith? You know, it'd be easy to, uh, <clears throat> to walk out today and just feel like, ugh, that was depressing. <laughs> these, these, this is like, it almost feels a little bit scary. Right? Like I was thinking about this. Sometimes when I'm um, preparing a sermon, I'll try to ask myself, like, so I'm not just preaching something, but actually like living it and embracing it myself. I'll ask, one of the questions I ask is, what does this teach me about God? Like, what does this teach me about God? And the, the thing that was like screaming in my face last night as I was praying through this, God wants to protect us, y'all. He is a good father who cares about you and your well-being, and he's trying to protect you. He's a good shepherd who wants to lead you and guide you. He's warning. So this is not to scare us, but to make us aware. Hey, there, there's danger. Keep your head on a swivel. And how do we know we don't have to walk in fear? Oh, this is, I'm scared. But like, we can walk just aware, but confident in who we are in God. You don't have to turn there, but think back to how Paul started the letter in chapter one, verse seven. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and I love this one, thinking about today's sermon, and sound judgment. I don't have to walk out of here. You don't have to walk out of here nervous and like, oh man, like we gotta be scared of everything. No, we can walk in power and love and sound judgment. Got a good head on your shoulders in Christ because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33 said, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. It's gonna be hard. Evil, evil people are gonna try to deceive you. But take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. So we walk out today, not heads down, but heads up, aware and ready to walk with Jesus and help people who need it. We're gonna have a quick time of response here in a minute and there'll be some of our staff down front here to pray with you, maybe to encourage you. Maybe you wanna come and pray for someone who you know, man, they're, they're vulnerable right now. Maybe you feel vulnerable. You wanna come and just say, Lord, help me to root deeply into you. Maybe you wanna come and, and talk and say, hey, would you, would you pray for me? I've been kind of living with a filter on and I just need to embrace, hey, there's gonna be hard seasons in the Christian life. I wanna be faithful to God even when it's difficult. Maybe, you, maybe you've never trusted Christ for salvation. Man, we love to pray with you, talk with you about what it means to trust the fact that he died for your sins, rose again, and offers you forgiveness and life and hope. So simply turn from your sin and turn to him. I'm gonna pray for us and then after that, we're gonna stand and sing and respond. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. God, thank you for the fact that we can walk out 
not being scared, but being aware of some of the dangers, the hardships, the difficulties, the deception lurking in our world. God, I pray we would walk out in confidence in you. Lord, would you put people on our heart who may be vulnerable? Maybe that they're here, but they've never actually trusted you. God, would you help us to, to engage with them, to, to talk with them, to pray with them, to help them so that they can be firmly planted in you and not be susceptible to the enemy's attacks? God, we love you. Thank you for being a God who loves us enough to warn us, to make us aware. God, help us to respond boldly in this time. You know, we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 